0: Welcome to this episode of Talking Theology Along the Way. I'm Dustin Coleman. I'm Jonathan Woodyard. And our aim is to help real life people think theologically through real life problems for God's glory and our everlasting joy. In today's episode, we want to try to tackle the topic of disagreement how to do it well, how to do it in a godly way, how to do it and remain friends, how to do it if we don't need to remain friends with that person. We just want to talk about that issue. Right, Jonathan?
1: Yeah, uh, disagreement's something that uh, we need to think more carefully about in our life. I would even think that this is something that's timely given that our 2020 election season's coming up next year. (laughs) And if it's anything like the last one, there'll be plenty of disagreement going around.
0: Even amongst camps that would normally agree.
1: Right. Indeed. Indeed. This is the reality of our world uh, that we live in. Uh, Disagreement abounds. Uh, But it's always been the case. Uh, If you look through human history, people have disagreed. In your own life, I'm sure you, uh, Dustin, disagree with people. Even Dustin and I have disagreed in our relationship. Dustin, why don't you tell a story about our early friendship or budding friendship? Or were we even friends when we first started hanging out?
0: Yeah, I, I think we can say that we were friends, but we had very different ideas about certain things. So Jonathan and I were both a part of this this church plant, and Jonathan was the the main preacher for that. I was the music person. I had a really bad tendency. You know those worship leaders that explain the song before they actually sing it, which is just not good. Just give us a brief intro, start playing the song. But I would, I would talk for a while about why I chose the song and all this kind of stuff. And then I tended more toward older music, hymns, and that wasn't really the direction that the Church Plant was wanting to go. So we had a lot of conversations early about those disagreements, but we didn't always handle them the best way.
1: Yeah, I, I remember early on thinking, you know, this is too slow. It needs to be more upbeat. Uh, you know, we're trying to reach college students. And we just we just had disagreements about what the music should look like. And really, that's so many churches uh, throughout the world. This is one of the things that people disagree so passionately about is music. And here we are in our first real ministry setting together, and we're disagreeing over music. And to such a degree that we—was it Wendy's that we went to for lunch one day?
0: Well, there was two different places. We went to we went to Cheddar's one time. Cheddar's is where you told me we had this nice lunch. We were just talking, and then you brought up the music thing at the end. And you just said to me, Dustin, nobody wants to listen to you talk. <laughs> <laughs> so just introduce the song and start playing it and let that be it. Yeah. We needed to we talked about the kind of songs we were singing. Because I was wanting to go deeper lyrics, rich. You were wanting to go more up based. Not that you didn't want good theology or songs,
1: sure. Yeah.
0: But there was disagreement there and we weren't you handled it by just being direct and kind of a jerk. I handled it by smiling at you, but then when I got home talking about you to my <laughs> roommates and smishing you in my heart. Which yeah. are both
1: bad. Right, right. I know that I handled it in a way it was just walk in and say, Here's here's leadership one oh one what not to do. Walk in, just say, This is the my way, the highway type of type of leadership, no discussion, uh, no thinking through wrestling with things. And so so we have this early disagreement that Dustin and I are, are working through. And I, at that point, I didn't think we would – if you'd asked me then, I said, you know, will Dustin be one of your closest friends 15 years down the road? Uh, I would have said probably not. But here we are today, and we've worked through disagreements. And we still disagree about things. Dustin and I are really close, but yet – we still disagree. We we are on uh, several group chats together on iMessage, and so we're we're texting throughout the weeks. We're talking about different things. We talk theology and ministry, and it wasn't long ago we were talking about reading. and Dustin is a lover of fiction; he loves to read fiction. I, on the other hand, although I want to, I have a sincere desire to enjoy reading fiction. At this point in my life, God has not granted that and so i don't enjoy it and i don't see a lot of use for it in my own life dustin disagrees with me and uh, it wasn't long ago we had a disagreement we actually ended up i don't know if you called me or i had to call you but we had to face so okay yeah cuz i
0: it sounds like such a silly thing now but that's how a yeah. lot of disagreements are it's over something that really at the end of the day my life is not altered in the least if you don't like fiction yeah but i started to get heated and I was sending some snarky things back and forth, and you had to call and say, "Hey, hey, hey, let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about this." Well, just yeah. goes to show you. I mean, even with in, in our marriages, there's yeah the people that to which I'm the closest, we have disagreements.
1: Yeah, yeah, we, we disagree, disagree with like our, our yeah, yeah, with our churches, our spouses, our friends, our churches. We disagree about so many things, political matters even within the Christian family, I mean, even Dustin and I are disagreeing, but Christians around the world disagree about things. And really, if you look at why there are different groups of Christians or sects of Christians, it's due to disagreements. You go all the way back to uh, really the first major split in the Christian church, which would have been the year 1054, uh, is when the East and the West split. Uh, There were disagreements. And so now you get the Eastern Church, which we call Eastern Orthodoxy, and then you get the Western Church, which eventually becomes Roman Catholicism. So that that's over disagreement. You get to uh, fast forward 500 years, you know, 1517, and Martin Luther kicks off the Protestant Reformation, and now there's disagreement on things. And now you, you've got uh, the Reformation is born, and and then all the way down to today, you get this this rise of denominationalism. So you have Methodists and Lutherans and Baptists and Church of God and Church of Christ and so many so many other things uh, that that are out there. And all of these are born out of disagreement. Some more serious than others, but disagreement nonetheless. And, and you know, I was thinking about this, Dustin. I don't know if this happens to you. But I'll be talking about something. Sometimes we're talking, or sometimes I'm talking with somebody else, and I say something, and then I disagree with myself in my own mind. (laughs) Do you that ever happen? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah.
0: Yeah. All the time. (laughs) It just points to the fact that disagreement is just a reality of life on a national level, a church level, home level, personal level. We're going to come into disagreement. That's a given. Yeah. So we shouldn't be surprised yeah. by it. Yeah. We So we need to know, since it's going to be a part of our lives, it would be helpful if we had a good roadmap for how to do it well. We can't avoid it. It's going to come. So it's something that we need to know how to do
1: well. Yeah, that's right. And if you realize that, like you said, you're not surprised. And so you don't panic you don't panic when somebody disagrees with you. This is part of life. you realize that. and because you know it's coming that the world's not falling apart when your friend disagrees with you or when your, your spouse disagrees with you or when a church member disagrees with you or, or you're sitting around talking about politics and somebody disagrees with you, you don't panic and you, and you don't you, you're able to take a deep breath. And you're aware that this is just an historical reality, that this is going to be happen, happening throughout your life. And so you can respond more calmly, more rationally, more, and, and hopefully with a bit more humility And as you try to deal with disagreement.
0: I think one helpful thing in dealing with disagreement, we're going to get a little bit later on into maybe a step-by-step step of some wise principles of disagreeing. But I think a lot of it begins with, Understanding the root of what disagreement is. Specifically, disagreement isn't always the result of somebody's good and somebody's bad. Hmm. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. There's other factors that play into disagreement. So I I can think of one, just cultural. We're going to naturally disagree with other people because different cultures have different emphases, Hmm about what's important or how things should be done. I think about, this is somewhat of a cliche one, but I think about time. In our American culture, six o'clock means six o'clock. <laughs> if something starts at six o'clock, if you're there at 6.10, you're late and it's rude. But if you were to go into other cultures, if you were to say six o'clock, that just means before seven.
1: <laughs> yeah, That's right.
0: As long as the first number on the time is six, you there's not a an exact punctuality, and so you might go in there thinking, "Hey, we're supposed to meet at six. Someone else says, hey, "We did it. We, we're here." <laughs> yeah. There could be disagreement there. Yeah. Cultural. There's also, I think, ignorance. Just not under. We don't all have the same level of understanding.
1: Yeah. So, so what you're getting at, Dustin, would be correct to say that not all disagreement is the result of sin.
0: I would probably even say most of it is not the result of sin.
1: Hmm. Hmm.
0: It's, I mean, it's hard to say most because you can't just count up all the numbers. of Sure, it's
1: hard to but quantify something like that, yeah.
0: In my life, I would think a lot of it is I'm disagreeing because I haven't fully understood what the other person is saying or where they're coming from. I think that is is the, the threat of so, you, much.
1: so let me ask you another question and get your perspective. Do you think that most people, Christians, or again, I've used the word most, but do you think a lot, uh, would it fall in this category of a lot of people, Would view disagreement as a result of the fall, as a result of sin. Therefore, disagreement's always a a negative thing.
0: I would think most of the disagreements that we have are negative. Hmm. And I think it's exacerbated by the fall because once we start disagreeing, we can get frustrated if someone's not seeing things the same way that we are. And so we start assigning motives in our sinfulness. We start drawing up camps and dividing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that disagreement in and of itself is sinful. Was this, you and I were talking about this, about whether or not we'll disagree yeah. in, in the new creation? Yeah,
1: so we were talking about, and neither one of us have uh, have this completely worked out, right? This So this is off the cuff, <laughs> and theology can be dangerous when you start... Dabbling in, in such things, but we so we think about the new heavens, new earth, and will we disagree? Well, if disagreement isn't inherently sinful, then it's possible that in the new heavens, new earth, we disagree. So I, I think I have a, a view of the new heavens, new earth, of the new new creational world that we'll live in is is here. New heaven, the new Jerusalem comes down, and this is a renewed earth. No curse, no no sin no famine, no disease. No, none of those things are here. And yet we exist and we will work and we will work and care for and tend the earth. And so I may go out and be planting a garden with, and this was the example, I think, Dustin, we were talking about. We're planting a garden uh, next to uh, each other. or We're going to partner together to, to cultivate a piece of land. And we may disagree over the dimensions of, we need to go this way or that way. And that, that seems plausible, and that's not sinful to have different perspectives. And so I was thinking more about this, and I think this makes sense when you, when you think about how God has made a diverse people. Uh, he's not created a, a humanity that, that looks the same or thinks the same way. But we're different. We have different perspectives. We have different gifts. We have different desires and dreams and ways of thinking. People are wired differently. So not all disagreement is the result of sin. And so what I think you're getting at is if we say not all disagreement is the result of sin, so disagreement is not inherently sinful, but the way in which we disagree, when that can become sinful. The way we disagree can be sinful or holy. Can be right or wrong, can be God honoring or dishonoring. It could be people loving or people hating. The, the way we disagree, I think that's what we want to pay attention to. Uh, disagreeing is going to be part of our reality. What we want to do is pay attention to how we do it. When disagreement is mean spirited, or when one side doesn't actually listen or consider the other side, when disagreement is more about winning a point than figuring things out, That, those things, are results of the sinfulness of humanity. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think if we go into disagreement thinking something like, here is an opportunity for me Hmm. to learn something about this other person. We've got a different perspective. That means I can learn something about them. We're not on the same page, so I can learn something about them. Or here's an opportunity for me to learn something. Most of the, the biggest advances in my own understanding of things came when I was met with a perspective with which I didn't agree. Hmm. And I had to think about it and I had to be had to go back to my presuppositions and what I was thinking and challenge it. Is this was this actually right? I'm hearing something that's not what I'm used to thinking. Hmm. And it was an opportunity for me to grow.
1: Yeah. And what what gets in the way there in my life is pride. Pride gets in the way. Yeah. Uh, the way I disagree is often uh, driven more by, by, by my pridefulness than, than uh, deeply held convictions. Do uh, you know what I mean? It's like sometimes I get into yeah, an absolutely. argument and I say, I don't believe as strongly as I'm arguing right now. But my pride <laughs> doesn't want to lose the argument. Uh, and I yeah. want to be right. I want to look intelligent. I want to win. Uh, but the problem in all of that is the focus is on me. I, I want to be right. Me, me, me. Look, I want to look a certain way, and so if I walk in, and the, so my pride gets in the way. The way I disagree, the 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 strength of my argument, the power with which I'm I'm setting forth my my perspective, is often more about my pride than it is my convictions, and yeah, that, that that's a recipe for disaster.
0: Yeah. So disagreement doesn't have to be inherently sinful. It can be an opportunity for us to grow, an opportunity for us to humble ourselves. So if we can't avoid it, if it's not necessarily bad, but it can be an opportunity to grow, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk together now about how do we handle a disagreement? How, how should we go into a disagreement in a way that is godly and biblical and, and wise? I think it starts with before the disagreement begins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Getting at what you're talking about, cultivating a heart of humility, cultivating a heart of there's things I don't know. Hmm. I can be wrong about things. There are probably things, even right now, that I hold, even hold passionately, that I probably don't have right.
1: Hmm.
0: There's things that I think I understand. Both of us have been in school for a long time. I think there are things about let's say most of my postgraduate study has been in Mark. I think I understand Mark fairly well. There's a wealth of things that I don't know that somebody can teach me
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I need to be cultivating that. And that's with everything. Yeah. Cultivating a part of I could be wrong. Now, that doesn't mean that we challenge everything and everything is is held loosely, but just having a posture of I can always get better and how I'm understanding a particular thing.
1: Yeah, I think you have to understand creaturely creatureliness, right? You're not creator. You're not unknowing. You're not. Uh, you're not God. You're a creature, and creatures by their very nature are finite. And so we have to understand uh, our limitations, is another way to put it. And I think this helps us cultivate this this posture of humility that we're talking about. Uh, and that's really, if you're not cultivating that throughout your life, if you're not trying to grow in in humility, then you're, you're probably not going to grow in your ability to disagree in a way that honors God and loves people. Uh, and so you've got to be cultivating this through, throughout your life. And I'd say part of that, part of what you need to be cultivating, is that uh, this this kind of others-oriented life. And, and one of the things that Dustin, you and I chatted about as we were thinking about this topic is Philippians chapter two, where Paul is is calling the church in Philippi to to love others, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Uh, he says in verse three, "Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit." And that that idea of selfish ambition, uh, that selfishness, uh, what I hear there is. do nothing from that. Well, am I arguing this point out of a selfishness? I'm more concerned about myself. But do nothing. Not even argue. Don't even disagree from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And so I call that the others-oriented life. And then he gives you the example of Jesus who who lays down his life for his, his people. Uh, and so I think you constantly have to, uh, to cultivate this. Am I more concerned about Jonathan than I am Gina? Am I more concerned about Jonathan winning this argument than I am about helping Dustin love Jesus more? Am I more concerned about winning this argument or leading my church in a healthy way? Uh, and I think it's, it's trying to put the emphasis on, I want to look outside of myself across the table, maybe if I'm having a conversation or out upon my congregation or, or across the room as I'm talking to somebody in my living room, am I more concerned about them uh, than I am what I look like or how I'm perceived or whether or not I win this, this debate?
0: I I think another thing that I've, thought about recently with humility is taking a posture of there is nobody on this planet from whom I can't learn something Hmm. everybody doesn't matter their background doesn't matter their education doesn't matter their political affiliation I can I can grow in my knowledge and my understanding of so many things from anybody I found in myself this tendency that if there was someone whose pedigree I respected, whether because they had a degree or they had worked in that field for a long time, I was more ready to listen to them. Whereas if somebody else who didn't have those things, I might tend to say, I know more than you do. Therefore I'm not really going to consider what you're going to say. So taking a posture of, okay, let's say, uh, I'm working on my second doctorate in the gospel of Mark let's say there's a church member who just became a Christian last week and is reading the gospel of Mark for the first time. I can gain from his insights or her insights when they read that. I don't need to just shuffle them off because, and even if it's something that I feel like is a scholarly thing, I need to take it as, because someone might say, oh, I was thinking about this. It makes me love Jesus more. I might be willing to accept that. But if they were going to make, say, more of a, a technical argument, I can still learn from considering what they have to say. And that goes for for every field as yeah, well. And
1: the reason, one of the reasons you'd say that, I would imagine, is because they too have the Spirit. So if we're, if we're talking about disagreeing with Christians or learning from Christians, one of the things that helps us not to cast people's opinions aside, and so this is helpful in the context of your churches, as, as people are debating things in, say, a family meeting or business meeting, uh, or they're talking through an issue or approach to ministry or, or about the gospel of Mark, one of the things to remember uh, and uh, is that they have the spirit, the spirit of the risen Christ is living within them and can use that person to teach you. Uh, and so I think it's a, a big point to remember, particularly when you're, you're talking about uh, learning from other Christians.
0: So I think that's, that's huge. If you want to be a person who disagrees, well, it's, it- the work starts way before the disagreement begins. Yeah. The work starts with being a humble person, mm-hmm. realizing that you can learn, taking on the attitude of Jesus. Others are more important than myself. My my goal is not to come off as intelligent, come off as right, come off as more compassionate or more whatever it is you want to come off more as. <laughs> That's not the goal. The goal is... I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on on helping this other person, and not in an arrogant way. Like I'm about to school this guy, right? But in a way to say I've got his best interests in heart, even in the way I'm disagreeing yeah. with him.
1: Yeah, it's good.
0: So you got that down. We're humble now.
1: <laughs> so you got that humble things. piece down. Yeah. yeah. At least we know how to get sure. there. Now
0: the disagreement begins. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. talking with somebody. It becomes evident what you're saying is not what I'm saying. We've got a disagreement. let's think through some things to keep in mind these aren't necessarily in sequential order but just some things to keep in mind. I think one important one is choosing to believe the best about the other person mm-hmm. i'm I'm gonna unless you just overwhelmingly demonstrate that you aren't this way I'm gonna assume that. You're believing true things. I'm going to assume that you want true things. You want good things. I'm going to assume that you are striving to aim toward positive goals before I start assigning bad motives to what the other person is, is doing. I'm going to believe that in your heart, to the greatest degree that you can, you're moving in a positive direction.
1: Yeah, that's really helpful. I think of our churches right now just have, as you're talking about charitable judgments and this type of approach, I'm thinking about several things that are going on in the life of our church, and and people disagree about certain things. But, but if I step back and I look at people that may not agree with me on a particular thing, um, I still need to realize and uh, think that they want the best for the church too. Th- they want to they yeah. see the gospel flourish too. They want to reach people for Jesus just as much as I do. Uh, and so uh, as I'm leading and different people are pushing on leadership or, or people are, uh, are disagreeing with me and I'm disagreeing with them, all of us needs to, we need to look at each other and, and say, hey, you know what? We disagree, but we're after the same thing. I believe that this person who disagrees with me has a sincere belief that what they're saying uh, is right, and their aim is to love people and reach people and lead this church in a healthy way, just as much as mine. Uh, and so, if we can start there and think the best of each other, then it, it's it's a little harder, I think, to get mad at each other if we start from from these charitable type of judgments. When you is is that correct it's it's harder to be mad at somebody you're thinking the best of
0: i would say so and i think you can extend that to political arguments as well i've, I've got to believe that if i'm talking to a republican I, i'm going to start with the assumption that this person wants a healthy vibrant america that is true to its mm-hmm. stated goals and desires if i'm talking to a democrat I've got to believe they want to make this country the best that it can possibly be. If we just start with all Democrats want to destroy democracy, well, that's just, that's ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Or <laughs> all Republicans don't care about the poor or whatever. It's like, well, that's obviously not true. So when we start a conversation, just assuming, oh, you're a Republican, you're automatically a bad person yeah. or yeah. you're a Democrat, automatically a bad person. You're an independent, you're, automatically a, a nut yeah. case. you know, that's
1: just it's not helpful. I, I think, yeah. you know, just you bring up politics and, and right now our nation is watching on CNN or Fox News or whatever your your, your uh, website of choice is. We're watching this impeachment, these hearings the the Judiciary Committee is, is meeting and they've set forth these articles of, of impeachment. And I watched a lot of it yesterday and I've watched some of it this morning. I think they're going to vote this morning. Uh, and and there's, there's very little charitable judgment. There there's accusation from both sides. Hey, you guys are just trying you just hate Trump and so you're you're trying to do this or you guys just love Trump so you're not trying to do this and and it's it's uh you know I got you guys are playing political games or you're playing political games and there's very little uh thought to hey I really do believe that the Democratic Party sees the president as a threat to our democracy. I believe that, uh, and I'm choosing to believe that. That's a charitable judgment. I think that they think they're doing the right thing. I believe the Republican Party. So I'm not taking either side here, right? I'm just saying I'm choosing to believe that the Democratic Party has the best interest of the United States in mind. I'm also choosing to believe that the Republicans, for the most part, I would say, they sincerely believe that the other side is making a grave error. Uh, and so they're... they're but they're not thinking that way towards each other. Uh, it's it's uh, there's a lack of charitable judgment. Uh, but if I can step back and whether it be looking at our political problems right now, or looking at my own life and the disagreements I have on personal level, or look at maybe disagreements in the church and and have these start with this charitable judgment. I, I think these per- people are trying to do the right thing. Then it's... Um, It kind of pours some water on the the potential fires that you can have in your your disagreements.
0: I think moving on to a second thing, when you get in a disagreement, before you respond Mm -hmm. and before you shoot your side out, make sure you've understood what has just been said. Make sure that your understanding of it is accurate in terms with which they would agree. So after they've said something, a lot of times when we're disagreeing, the other person will be talking, they'll say one buzzword or we'll make one point that's really just not their main point, but we key in on that and then boom, we've stopped listening at that point and we're just waiting for them to take a breath Mm -hmm. so that we can say, here's why that's wrong and here's why this is stupid and here's why this is destroying our church or destroying America. If we would just stop and this, I mean, this is a part of, considering the other person as more important if they're important then it's important enough for me to really hear what they're Mm -hmm. saying most of the time we don't most of the time we hear half of what they're saying and the other half of the time is spent preparing a rebuttal or digging in our heels or picking some other point if we feel like we've lost that Mm -hmm. one but just taking the time to stop and say let me make sure i understand what you're saying are you saying this? And you don't have to do that after every sentence because that would get tedious. Sure, you know? sure. Now, would you say, but when you get to a point where you're about to disagree strongly, make sure you stop and say, is this what you're saying? Cause here's what I hear you saying. I think that could clear up a lot of disagreement too. Oh,
1: absolutely. And if you don't do that, then you're just talking past each other and uh, it's not helpful. You, you need to understand the other side and be able to to be able to state, I've heard one we had one professor in seminary who would tell us that we weren't ready to write a paper uh, critiquing a position until we could state that position in a way that the other side would say yes, that's what I believe. So until you can do that, until you understand it, uh, I don't think you're quite ready to to uh, argue the, for your side.
0: Yeah, and then when you do actually make your own statement, make sure that you're aiming to persuade and win and not attack and destroy mm-hmm. it seems like we have an affinity for the mic drop <laughs> you, you know you see on the uh, social media oh so and so destroys this position in 2 minutes no, like right. well that's probably If they really just totally debunked or totally destroyed or totally, then the conversation would be over. But we like to think that we've just dropped a truth bomb on somebody. We've obliterated their whole position. Our goal is not to obliterate a position. Well, let me put it this way. Our goal is not to obliterate a person. There might be a harmful ideology or a, a grave lie that we do want to blow up. Paul talks about how we're we're pulling down these arguments that are raised up against the knowledge of God. So there are certain things that we want to destroy, but they're not people. So our goal is not to to mic drop or to truth bomb or to or to silence somebody. Our goal is to persuade and win, not to attack and
1: destroy. Yeah, and even there. So explain a little bit because I hear you say that, and we've talked about um of, you know in the in the podcast up to this point we we've said you shouldn't go in trying to just win so now you're saying persuade and win so maybe a nuance what what do you mean by that
0: oh by win i mean come to a an understanding that you are convinced is more aligned with the truth so not win as in i win you lose but win as in I feel like out of love for you, I brought you to a position that's more informed, more loving, more right. But, but usually it's not a hundred and zero. It's usually not one person is totally right. And so I've won and you've lost most of the time. It's we've both moved from our positions a little bit, or at least we've gained our understanding. Yeah, yeah it's
1: helpful. Um, I would, I would love to talk about that further. Maybe we can, offline we can talk about it, whether or not winning is is a helpful idea there, just because it's used already in such negative ways, like I win, you lose. And maybe there's another way to talk about it. But I love the idea of persuasion. That
0: well, I'm thinking in terms of Matthew 18, you've won your brother. That, that's, that's the text. Well, if you've got a, a Bible that, verse for it,
1: then I, I, I yield.
0: I yield. <laughs> yeah, I'm not winning him. over. Uh I generally have. In the air of yeah. his of his ways, again, not in an sure. arrogant way, but I see something harmful in you. I want to win you yeah. out of that. I want to win. Yeah, that's the helpful.
1: Um, but I do like the idea of persuasion. That it uh, that if we're we're disagreeing about something and I've got my reasons for being on this side of the issue, let me share them with you in hopes of persuading you. And I think this is a lot of what pastors do. I think this is how pastors lead best. It's through persuasion. I think we should go this way. I think we should do that thing because of reason A, B, C, and D. Because we, I see this in the Bible. Because I see this is what Christ would want us to do. Because I see this is uh, the healthiest thing for our church. Because I think it, this move is what's going to help us be most effective in reaching people for Jesus. I want to persuade people, not lead by fiat, not not lead by walking in and say, we're doing this because I said so, but persuading people to follow us as we follow Jesus.
0: Yeah, so the last topic we kind of want to get into with handling disagreement is this idea of theological triage, which is, is another way of saying some issues are more important than others. Weighing whether or not, how, on what level are we talking here? Is this, you can't be a Christian and believe this? Is this, you can't be moral and believe this? Making sure that we understand disagreeing over, say, whether or not you should breastfeed your baby is different than disagreeing on whether or not Jesus is the divine son of God. Those are two different levels. Disagreeing on whether or not we should baptize infants or wait until they personally express faith is different than believing that Islam and Christianity are the same thing, worshipping the same God in a different way. Those are those are different levels of yeah. arguments.
1: Yeah, and Christians have historically tried to differentiate between the import, importance of doctrine. Some doctrines are more important than others. And if you can keep these things in mind, then a lot of your debates are less heated. So when Dustin and I talk about fiction... You know whether or not I should like fiction or read more fiction versus the things that I do read. We're not now debating whether or not I'm in the faith or have I departed from from Jesus, right? And so, that, so our our level of energy uh, should be consistent with with what we're talking about. John Calvin talked about this in his Institutes of Christian Religion. I wrote a post not long ago for a website that we write for pointing to Calvin, uh, who's making these distinctions already in the, in the 1500s. Uh, he, he's talking about essential and non-essential issues. Uh, more recently, Albert Moeller, in our time president of Southern Seminary, has talked about theological triage, and there are first order, second order, and third order doctrines. And you could add more. There could be fourth order and fifth order, and so on and so forth. Uh, and, you, and the idea is just taking a step back and to say, is what we're talking about life or death? Is what we're talking about a gospel issue, that if we disagree here, the gospel's undone? Uh, Is what we're talking about here something that's going to uh, lead to the slaughter of innocents? So abortion uh, is an issue that um, I think requires more passion than than some other political issues that you could raise. Uh, You know, what do we do with fossil fuels and things like that? Yeah, yeah, if we're going to
0: argue about abortion, we should be arguing about that more passionately, more vehemently than say that the argument is about whether you should homeschool, public school, or Christian school. There's more at stake in the abortion issue, so we need to step up. People are dying as a result of people's views on this, so we need to be passionate about that. But another discussion about children, homeschool, Christian school, public school, state your opinion. And then let someone else have a different opinion than you do. I understand that I, we were saying before, if you approach every disagreement with the same passion and vehemence and doggedness, you're just going to be a jerk. You know, yeah. Nobody's going to want to bring up issues with you and you're going to ruin friendships and you're going to, cast off perspectives from which you can learn and become yeah. better and
1: i th- you know you and me and or dustin and i and then our friend john candler have this text stream going on uh and it was a couple of days ago i can't remember when we were talking about there was a, a an art or a journal that came out from a popular ministry that we like and we were talking about the title of it, and you and John was like, well, we didn't think this word needed to be in the title. It's, it's overly dramatic. And I said, well, I don't agree, and here's, here's why. And then I said something like, but I can disagree with over such things with a shrug of the shoulder. And what I was doing in that moment was saying, I'm trying to cultivate this, this tendency to say, okay, what are we arguing about here, and do I really care? You know, do I really care? Do I need to really care? Do I need to put a bunch of energy into this? Uh, And there are just some things we would be better served if people would realize, you know what, I just don't really care all that much about what we're talking about right now. I don't need to jump into every disagreement and every fight and go to the mat. Sometimes I disagree with you, but I really don't have the energy or need to follow this all the way out. So I'm just going to bow out. Uh, I think that would help us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So just as we wrap this up, I think another thing that is helpful is after you get into a disagreement with someone, when it's over, sometimes if it is in your mind a, a high importance issue, after the disagreement is over, man, your mind can go overboard accusing, how can he think this way? I think it's helpful for me after I'm in a disagreement with somebody. And this is something that I think both of us learned, at least me learned from our our friend, Nate Milliken. You have a disagreement with somebody, that person in your mind needs to become your best friend. In in terms of I'm going to reach out to them. Man, I want to let you know how much I appreciate this, this and this about you. And I'm glad that we're friends and I'm glad that you're in my life. Take time to pray for that person. If you think that they are in serious error, pray for God to lead them to the truth. Uh, if if it is it is just a kind of a silly disagreement that got heated, like whether or not you should read more fiction, stop and pray and, and thank God for that person in your life and realize what it is. I think after the disagreement is over, making sure that the relationship isn't lost because you disagree over yeah. fiction. And even... I think we can be friends with people that we disagree with strongly. I think we can be friends with people who are pro-abortion. I think we can be friends with people who are pro-LGBT as far as seeing that as perfectly moral to live in that lifestyle. I don't think it means you have to close off and have no friends that disagree on major issues. We can stay friends and just pray for them, that God would lead them to the truth. Pray that God would give you greater understanding And just make sure you reach out to them and let them know that, hey, I love you. I'm glad you're in my life. At
1: the end of the day, in all of our disagreements, aim to love God and love people. Love God and love people. That's the aim.
0: It really is as simple as that. Well, thank you guys for listening. We hope that this has been helpful, and we'll see you all next time.